Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 24th of February 2023. We spend a lot of time on the Green Edge looking at how education and training is progressing in support of net zero. And we talk a lot, for example, about the workings of the Institute for Apprenticeships and Technical Education, IFATE. But we mustn't forget that education and training is a devolved policy area. And this week, we're addressing the balance a little by looking at skills development north of the border, with apologies to Wales and Northern Ireland, and a promise to look more closely at green skills development there in later posts. In Scotland, the national skills body is Skills Development Scotland, or SDS, and SDS's new strategic plan for 2022-27, to called Skills for a Changing World, doesn't gloss over the economic outlook for Scotland, which it describes as stark. It talks about how the climate emergency has moved from threat to pressing reality, how inequality and poverty have deepened, and against a backdrop of spiralling inflation and a cost of living crisis, how economic growth will be hard fought for in the coming years. That said, we think SDS's strategic plan is pragmatic and realistic and identifies Industry 4.0 and climate change as two of the leading factors for occupational change change and skills development. I have with me my colleague Michael Cross, still recovering from his cold and still sounding a little Marlena Dietrich. And Michael, you've been looking in particular at what's being done in Scotland around developing skills for the climate emergency. Well, Scotland has been progressive and integrated on this and cutting across government departments by the creation of the Climate Emergency Skills Action Plan. And that has given rise to the implementation steering group chaired by Dave Ray. Now, Dave, apart from being a professor up at Edinburgh, is was also a member of the Green Jobs Task Force. So he takes over both heritage and knowledge of the work that was done there. Well, having Dave there certainly brings in some continuity, which I have to say we didn't see so much between the Green Jobs Task Force and the Green Jobs Delivery Group. Let's just remind ourselves about the Green Jobs Task Force. Chris Skidmore's review, Mission Zero, pointed out that while the task force was set up in 2020 to address decline in skills in some sectors of the economy that are critical to the green transition, the recommendations from the task force's advisory report, which was published over 18 months ago, have not yet been fully implemented. Skidmore's recommendation was that these should be pushed ahead with regular reports on progress starting by mid-2023. I'll get off the soapbox now. But going back to the CSAP in Scotland, and in particular the implementation plan, what do you see, Michael? In the work of the implementation steering group, they have a number of priorities. There are five they're picking up in relation to the plan. But I think we take one step further back and look at some of the assumptions that they're working to. And I think this is true of most of the groups on the green skills front. Because one of our concerns is that by concentrating on green skills, you're not looking at non-green skills. And there's an interrelationship between the two skill sets in that the moment, if you're a purist, only about two or three percent of jobs are green jobs. Therefore, 97% aren't. But if you look at innovation, technological change, adaptation, the absorption of technology, you require a complete skill set, both green and potentially non-green, even brown skills, to actually capitalise on the opportunity that's offered by net zero and the implementation of technologies. And there have been a raft of reports from the Grantham, from CBI Economics, from Centre for Cities, 
all using the data city data set, which allows you to look at the emergence of the new economy. Now, the new economy is split down into 48 subsectors, split almost evenly between services and non-services. And if you look at those 48, only eight of them are green subsectors, and there are about 23 green enabling subsectors. So if you only focus on green, you'll actually miss out all those other linkages and the complexities of how skills flow and support each other at local level. Now, I think that has to be factored into your thinking about your green skills plan, particularly if it's got a growth agenda, as opposed to just delivering on net zero. It also has a big implication for the quality of the jobs you're trying to create. Now, just picking up one piece, we've been delving at qualifications data as listed in the Ofqual database. And there are something like 1,200 qualifications in there related to green in some shape or form. And if you look at those, about 80% of them are level three or beneath. They're not in the highest skill range. That's not totally true across all. If you delve into the environmental and sustainability, you get to the higher levels, but the vast majority are only level three. So for example, if you take heat pumps, heat pumps are only level three from the data we've looked at and there are 16 of those, it sort of means you'll be heat pump proficient, but not able to design a domestic, resilient, net zero energy system. You can put in one component. You can't look at the whole total piece and do the total design and scoping. And I know new occupations are emerging in this area, and certainly IFATE in England for apprenticeships are, are going to recognize that, and we'll have a panel working on it shortly coming. So I think that's an overarching point. Now, in our post, we list the five priorities of the CSAP ISG's implementation plan. I won't repeat them here, but would encourage our listeners to take a look at our post this week, which you can find at greenedge.substack.com. And something underpinning the ISG's work is to ensure a just transition so that everyone everywhere benefits from new opportunities. And they point out that COVID-19 has highlighted the need to mitigate the risk of exacerbating inequalities through abrupt or unmanaged structural shifts to the economy that might be brought about by net zero. That's very true. Michael, what's your view on the ISG's priorities? I think they all make great sense. We'd pick up on supporting the transitioning and upskilling because the bulk of people who are going to deliver green technologies are in work today. And they will have to reskill around bite-sized qualifications to allow them to acquire the relevant skill set and mindset to allow them to implement that. Now, it would be lovely to see the Scottish plan here on their transition thinking break down to absolute numbers and work through what does this actually mean on the ground to individual workforces and the size and time it's going to take to allow them to actually meet their net zero targets, which are very aggressive in Scotland, more aggressive than in England. And hence, that's why they've been criticised or commented on by the Climate Change Committee, because they've set themselves incredibly tight targets. It would also be nice to see the inspiring and empowering young people piece to actually look at what they're going to be doing about the existing curriculum within schools and looking at the connected curriculum between what they're actually teaching today. Now, if you look at a map for just a simple subject like geography, and you look at that from what you term year seven, entry to secondary school through to doing hires at year 13 and 12 and 13, you'll actually find sustainability and the environment embedded into that along with climate change. It doesn't seem to get recognised unless you have a course called sustainability or climate change. I think there's a lot going on 
because children are really interested in this, as are teachers, it is already in there. When I've looked at maps like that in England, there's a lot going on already, and we don't seem to surface that. I guess that's like some of the issues around design and technology. Uh, some people are saying schools aren't doing enough, and I think Ofsted are pushing that pretty hard at the moment, aren't they? If you delve behind computational thinking and data science and computer science and mathematics and physics and biology, there's loads of design going on in there. So I think we need to delve beneath the surface. So expanding climate education in schools and national scaling of that is one of the implementation steering group's key objectives. And we also find others that we'll keep a close eye on going forward. For example, the ISG is looking to embed green skills into apprenticeship frameworks and also to set up a green jobs workforce academy and a green jobs skills hub. And I think for the latter, we might point to IEMA's Green Careers Hub as a potential model for that. And they're also looking to build an extended network of the skills groups in sectors critical to the net zero transition. And we'd like to think that what we're doing with the Green Edge might help there. Thank you for that, Michael. Now, just one more thing before you go and get rid of that winter cold. It's almost the end of the month and your reports roundup is coming up next week. What have you found in February? There seems to be quite a lot on hydrogen being published at the moment and also some great work on heat pumps and the heat pump uptake and the efficiency of heat pumps. There's been quite a lot of good work being published on that as well across the whole of Europe and they'll both feature in our roundup of reports. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.